Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. After a two-week hiatus, District of Conservation is back. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman, and I took two weeks off to recover from a cold and to enjoy some much-needed R&R down in the Bahamas. But I am ready to have more interviews for you guys to enjoy and more discussions as it relates to hunting, fishing, and shooting sports. Today's guest is Stephanie Vadalaro of the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. And RBFF, if you are unaware is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to increase participation in recreational angling and boating, thereby protecting and restoring the nation's aquatic natural resources. And that is from their website. Stephanie talked at length about her responsibilities, what initiatives they are up to, what they're working on, and just how fishing is so electric and unifying and fun to partake in. I think you're going to enjoy our conversation and what RBFF has to offer. Here is my conversation with Stephanie from RBFF. Check it out. We're with uh, Stephanie from RBFF. So briefly talk about RBFF and what you do for them. Sure. Uh, RBFF is the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. Uh, Our mission is to increase participation in fishing and boating and increase awareness of conservation. Uh, the fact that it's uh, fishing and boating participation are connected to conservation, both in um, when you buy your license and you buy tackle fees go back to uh, supporting conservation projects, but also in uh, the fact that once you create an angler or a boater, you are in an, in essence creating a conservationist as well. They appreciate it more. Very cool. So what is your day-to-day job? Uh, you handle communications. Can you talk a little bit more about that, what you do and how you work with the industry? Sure. And partners. I oversee marketing and communications um, for our BFF, and so that includes uh, consumer-facing communications for both of our brands, Take Me Fishing and Vamos a Pescar. It also includes corporate communications for our BFF, and that's where we're really connected to the industry. Um, we focus on recruitment, but we also create programs and products, and we do research to help the industry better retain and reactivate their customers. Talk more about your background and how you got introduced into the outdoor industry. Sure. Um, so I grew up in the Florida Keys, and my dad is a fishing guide. Um, so obviously I had a lot of exposure to fishing and boating growing up. Uh, but I think like a lot of other people, I fell out of it in my teen years, uh, busy with other things, <laughs> and my early 20s. And it, it wasn't until my career took me back to it that I really started uh, bringing it back into my life, too. Um, when I was, well, almost 13 years ago now, I had the opportunity to come to work for RBFF, and um, it was really exciting to bring that part of my personal life into my work life. It's the first time I've ever had that marriage of personal and professional Um so, yeah, and I, I started as a communications manager here, and I've kind of had different roles over the years. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been very rewarding because it's something I'm passionate about. You have to enjoy what you work on. Exactly. <laughs> I think they say, like, 
the best fulfillment you get out of a career is if you actually enjoy what you're doing. And it's so fun that you get to do that. I think many people would be very jealous that you get to do communications plus also go fishing and, yeah. and be kind of ingrained into the activity. Yeah, and can you talk about the process by which people purchase excise taxes? You'd mentioned the program when we did an earlier version of this, but but explain that process and how you guys help funnel that a little bit better. Sure. So um, RBFF was actually created in 1998. Um, participation rates had been going down and um, were federally funded because when people buy their licenses, when they purchase tackle or when they put fuel in their boat, uh, that money or a portion of that money goes back into this bigger fund called the Sport Fish Restoration and Boating Trust Fund. And that money is doled out to state agencies, conservation, boating safety organizations to do work like waterway cleanups, um, fish habitat uh, and fish stocking. Um, so really, in essence, when you participate in the sport, you're giving back to it and you're helping. We receive 2% of that larger fund from the Sport Fish Restoration and Boating Trust Fund uh, to market the sport and bring in new participants. So that's, that's kind of our role and that's what we focus on. And you have several initiatives, I think two in particular, that are responsible for uh, putting out RBFF's mission. Can you talk about those two initiatives and what, what they hope to accomplish? Sure. Uh, we have two brand campaigns, uh, Take Me Fishing and Vamos a Pescar. Um, both of them have websites. Um, and the sole purpose of those campaigns is to help newcomers get started in the sport. Uh, they provide a lot of how-to information, where to go, and they link to all 50 states' license and, and boat registration information. Um, we want to help people give them the tools that they need to be successful on the water. That's really good. And... Uh, you work with a lot of influencers uh, to help get that message out there. How, how does that work? And, and, and what have you seen with partnering with different individuals to help advance RBFF's message? Yeah, well, we're a national organization, um, and we can't be everywhere. We all know, you know, that fishing is very local. It depends what waterway you're on, to what species, and what kind of tackle to use. We can't be everywhere and tell those stories. Um, so working with influencers has been really beneficial for us because they're on the ground, they're in the water, <laughs> on the water, and can be those storytellers and showing people that it can be fun and memorable and easy. Yeah, and uh, it kind of go, uh, goes alongside uh, your Women Making Waves campaign. Can you share more about that and what success that has produced, especially given the trend that more women are fishing? Yeah, so women uh, participating in the sport has been increasing over the years, and a large percentage of newcomers every year are women, but they're falling out. And one of the key reasons for that is they don't see themselves in the sport. They're looking in magazines, they're going in tackle shops, and they literally don't see women on the signs, <laughs> in the ads, etc. Um, so that paired with another stat that says moms are fishing with kids more than dads, which means moms are teaching kids mm -hmm. more than dads, uh, we decided to run a women's campaign, Women Making Waves, and we created an inspirational video and some content on our website to help women get started in the sport, to help see themselves in the sport. Um, we've also, working with the industry, to kind of um, call those stories of women who are out there who are doing it successfully uh, to showcase and build awareness around it. Yeah, that also goes along the lines of the off-the-hook pop-up. You guys have had kind of the visibility campaign that you've been 
uh, your organization has been undertaking. Can you talk about how all that is kind of in sync with one another? Sure. Um, off the hook, this year we launched a, a pilot program um, to actually put rods and reels in the hands of kids and families who are in our target audience. So we went to urban areas. Um, our target audience is families, multicultural families with kids aged 6 to 17. We plop these things down in Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, um, the D.C. area, and in Manhattan, in New York City. And a lot of people for the very first time picked up a fishing rod and reel, and it was really amazing and fun to um, watch them get hooked on the sport. Yeah, and you guys had, I remember when I visited the Burke uh, pop-up, there were like all these cute little decorations, different artificial lure dispensaries. Uh, you could measure yourself against the, the, the height of a fish to see if you're as tall or not as tall. And even with the rain, there were people out there. I think we were talking about yeah. that a little earlier. And how many people attended that pop-up session, would you say? We had about 2,200 people go fishing uh, with us over those five I think it was five cities. Um, yeah, and the whole idea was to make it look approachable because mm -hmm. I think um, one of the reasons people don't see themselves in the sport is fishing um, can look very technical. It can look difficult. It can look expensive. We have all these perceived barriers. People think you have to drive really far to go fishing. So that's why we plopped it down in, in urban areas. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, look, you can fish right here. Um, and made it really fun and colorful and, you know, included some of these Instagrammable moments. So people understand, too, that it's not always just about catching either. Mm -hmm. It's an experience um, where you can make a lot of memories. Although fishing is enjoying, I would say, more success, you guys have expressed some challenges. Of course, some people are kind of falling and dropping from participation. What is RBFF doing to address those shortcomings or those challenges? Sure. So, yeah, that's true. Um, we had an increase in participation in the last study, but it was a, a, a small increase of about 300,000. The reason for that is we lost um, a lot of participants that year, too. So we brought in mm -hmm. 9.4 million new and returning anglers, but 9.1 million fell out. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's double from what it was the previous year. Um, we're hoping it's just a blip. Um, it's possible. It could be the start of a trend of the boomers aging out of the sport. Um, so retention and reactivation are very important. We focus on recruitment as the bulk of our work, but we work with state agencies and industry organizations, uh, the people who have that customer data. Uh, we, we don't have access to the data. We can't do, you know, very sophisticated targeting mm -hmm. to those audiences. So we build programs and resources that the states and the industry can use um, to do that work. That's good because a lot of the stuff is very technical. And if you're not really wonkish, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to extrapolate all that information. So it's nice that you guys are able to put up bite-sized information, statistics. And I would recommend people subscribe to your newsletter too because it puts out everything on display for people to understand what's going on, the metrics, the numbers. So you guys do translate a lot of kind of that technical work more easily there. And I want to talk about the video series you guys have been putting out to kind of make fishing more personable and relatable to kind of the wider swath of Americans, just because there are perceptions that fishing is largely an old white man sport, which is not the case. I've I've gone to the water myself, and I don't see that whenever I go fishing. You do kind of see some, but you see a lot 
more diverse and, and younger crowds going fishing. But talk about that video series that you guys have. Sure. Um, Stories of Anglers, we started this year. Um, basically, the premise was let's show people of all ages, cultures, genders, um, doing the sport, enjoying the sport. I think, as you said, one of our barriers to participation is that it's perceived as an older white male Mm -hmm. sport. Um, And like any basic marketing campaign, you, you need to help your target audience see themselves with your product, with your Mm -hmm. service. In our case, it's fishing. Um, And they will be more likely to participate. So the series, I think we did four or five stories this year, uh, ranged from everything from this African-American woman who's really into fishing and it's part of her faith. And she takes this women's group out. Like, I don't think that's your what you would you see as your typical that, yeah. fishing group, uh, but they're really into it. Um, a young woman who's in college in Georgia who takes kids with special needs out mm-hmm. on the water. Uh, we had a DJ from New York City. In New York City, which is amazing. Yeah. He, you know, he spins yeah. records by night and he goes fishing during the day in the city. Yeah. Not someone you would expect to see. No. Uh, and that's his way to unwind. So, yeah, I think you'll see more of that from us in the future um, as we are trying to uh, get out the message that everyone's welcome to the mm-hmm. water. You guys also do partner with some celebrities. I think Alexa Pena Vega was one, and you've partnered with some others. Uh, do those help as well get the RBFF message out there too? Do you think it's uh, you should have both micro and macro influencers? What what is your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. We've we've seen success by doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, the macro level uh, celebrity influencers. We did work with Alexa Pena Vega, and this year was um, Jessica Mendoza. She's an ESPN commentator. Um, sometimes those celebrities help open doors for you, get you on the bigger programs. But I would say the micro influencers are just as important mm-hmm. because they have very strong followings. And we've been fortunate to work with folks all across the country to um, create content for us and tell the stories in the local markets where, you know, things can be a little bit different. Or from a family perspective, mm-hmm. you know, what's it like to take your kids out on the water? And it's not just this single white male yeah. in a uh, bass boat competing sure, you know that's, sure. that's kind of like a, uh, something that people a perception that people have right yeah but it is it is a changing landscape I would say that having fished myself and I've always been welcomed by kind of the old boys club but even my dad was saying like it's so weird that like they're so exclusionary some people he's like I don't care who you are like just go fishing if you're having fun don't be so stingy about it uh, but I would say um I think a good demographic, I don't know if you guys are targeting this, would be millennials because I think my generation is what going to be a quarter of the population. So do you guys have any plans to attract millennials kind of within the scope of your various campaigns right now? Or Yeah, so we actually did a market segmentation research this year. Um, it's been several years, and we want to make sure that our target audience is the best mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, and so more information is going to be coming out about this soon, but we are going to be making a slight shift to our target audience, and I think you'll see it geared more towards millennials because we're looking at families with young children, mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah. who it is. And it, it's also going to be um, even more culturally diverse, more women, more Hispanics, um, and have more of a social component to it. That's yep. awesome. What advice would you have to both consumers and non-consumers about how to promote the sport of fishing better? How to promote the sport of fishing? Well, I think if you're if, if you're avid, if you're doing it, um, take newcomers with you. 
every opportunity that you get. Uh, we have some some great research and, and from multiple sources that shows if you go as a kid, you're much more likely to go as an adult mentor, expose new people to it. And we have some great resources on takemefishing.org that you can use to help point them to for how to tie knots, how to get started, where to go in their area. Um, for people who are new to the sport, you find friends, ask around. I bet somebody goes fishing that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also use the online resources like takemefishing.org, your state agency. Um, there's a lot of great information online that can help you get started. And I think you've been following some fishing influencers like Debbie Hansen. She's mm-hmm. great. She will be an excellent follow if people don't already follow her. But some of the influencers, like Cindy Wynn is great too. She's very hands-on how-to, very explanatory about things and and wants people to be engaged. But I I think also following influencers who are legit women who are making the sport better, who aren't just showing off assets. They're they're actually making an impact and trying to recruit people more effectively. But I think that's also a good way. That's a great tip. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And... uh, so beyond that, uh, what ways can people engage with RBFF? Um, Connect with you guys. Yeah, just follow sure. me on social media, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, visit. If you want to see our consumer work, takemefishing.org, I've said a couple times. But um, if you want to check out what we're doing on the industry side, go to takemefishing.org slash corporate. Um, all of our corporate uh, industry initiatives are posted there. All of our resources, marketing materials, and research. Um yeah, and, and we have social channels for both RBFF and for Take Me Fishing and Vamos mm-hmm. Apescar. So um, if you want to get plugged into those, you know, search us up and, and all the different social channels and you'll you'll find us there. That's awesome. You've given us a great amount of information and I thank you so much for letting me come to the office on this rainy day and, and chat about what's happening in fishing. You are a repository of information and I hope people connect <laughs> with you. You've been like, I've gotten to know you over the last few years and you've been such a helpful resource for me. And I think for many people who write and do communications and, and just all the different industry type stuff. So I hope people appreciate your good work and, and what you do for the industry too. Well, thank you. And I appreciate your time, you know, in, in getting the word out and helping us, uh, spread the word that fishing is is fun and a, a great activity to do with family and friends and it really is for everyone stephanie had a lot to say about what's happening in the fishing realm and the fishing industry at large so i hope you check out some of the links i've provided in the show notes to learn more about her organization and what they're up to If you enjoyed this episode and have been listening to past episodes, make sure you're subscribed to us on your preferred platforms. We're on 11 or so different platforms out there, especially Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and so many others. But if you have Apple and feel inclined, please be sure to subscribe, download some past episodes, and please, please, please leave a review. Those gestures go a long way in having us get discovered and appearing on the Apple podcast charts in the wilderness categories. Every little effort you do, if you haven't already done so, goes a long way. And I'd be forever grateful if you could do that and share the good word of District of Conservation. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss an announcement, episode details, and the like. Next week's episode is the largest amount of people I've ever had on my podcast before. It's a bunch of women that I got to hang out with in Georgia recently at Headwaters on the Soquis. So you're not going to want to miss our conversation about things in, in fishtails from in deep in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Check it out and stay tuned. <laughs>